So there was a big political hoo-ha here last week, which you might have heard about. I made a point of not paying much attention to it, because political spectacle gives me a chronic case of the heebies. But I did manage to catch some of the blathery fallout from my bookish compeers. You see, evidently, there was a poem read at this spectacle, and evidently it was not well received. Now, as I mentioned, I kept the whole scene far away from my purview, so I really can't offer much in terms of a palate cleanser or defence. But the whole thing did set me thinking about writers working in and out of their elements, which led me to dig up some fiction by a poet. Let me know what you think. Hello, it's Wednesday, the 28th of January, 2009, and it's Miet's Bedtime Story Podcast. It Was by Louis Zukowski It was fine weather in mid-August when I awoke anxious to go on writing the story that in the dark hours did not let me rest. I had promised my wife not to stay up and strain my eyes, then had failed her. So I was happy to be up before she was, to tell her that I was not tired. The birds had anticipated me with their song. Early birds, a dark comedian used to say, catching worms. As I listened before the mesh of window screen, which a few hours before in the dark had let through only the hot wave of midsummer, a drop in the temperature brought in a breeze as from some basin filling with torrents of air. We lived then opposite the park, and not far from the zoo. The river that flowed from up the country, and past the side of our house, fell in a cascade we saw from our windows. This morning the falls came down heavy with the rain of the day before, and brimmed to the top of the stones forming the river banks under the viaduct, which was the crossing in our street. I could hear the roar of the lions, hungry for their morning meal. Thanks to the park commissioner, who had recently landscaped the grounds of the zoo, the animals wandered or rested on imitations of their natural terrain, attracting thousands of visitors, who before this novelty had lost interest in seeing them in cages. The lions ranged apparently free on earthworks, meant to be African plains. Though surrounded by abrupt ditches they could not cross, and our apartment was thus favoured by natural noises of Africa. It was not always we heard them a quarter of a mile away, but this morning the wind carried every roar. The park across the street, the early sun and the morning shade thrown between tall old trees, tempting me to go downstairs before breakfast. The visitors and picnickers would soon be coming up our street in droves. We did not like to look down on them from our windows when we could not get away on Sunday afternoons. The park was then too crowded for us to walk in. But if we managed to get out of our apartment by eight in the morning, 
we could still have it to ourselves for about two hours before noon. Part of it near us was woods, and few people troubled to enter it. I wanted, as I said, to write, but not on paper. I hardly ever found the park helpful to writing on paper, even in fall and winter when no one was there, especially if I were writing prose. This time it was the sentence opening the last part of a story I had worked on for months. A sentence, as is often worked off paper first. The pace of narrative and interest in character do not readily help the writer's hand to set down a sentence of that order, for though characters must take things in their own stride, somewhere in his story the writer cannot hold back this sentence that judges them. He wants it unobtrusive to his pace and the characters that caused him to write. The difficulty is to judge without seeming to be there with their finality in the words that will make them casual and part of the story itself, except, perhaps, to another age. The sentence kept me up all night. As is usual with me, I would not go on with the rest of the story and come back to the difficult sentence later. With others it may be different, but when I am that far in a work, the story must exist in each word, or I cannot go on. The halt seems likely to be permanent in the worst of the grind, when the words of an insoluble sentence written down, written over, crossed out, add up to indecisions making situations and characters empty. I feel I have not the sense in which along with the story I must live, and seem merely to glance at a watch. This story was a story of our time, and a writer's attempts not to fathom his time amount but to sounding his mind in it. I did not want to break up my form by pointing to well-known place names and dates in the forty years that I had lived, events familiar to most of us, to some more than myself. I wanted our time to be the story, but like the thought of a place passed by once and recalled altogether, seen again, as through a stereoscope blending views a little way apart into a solid, defying touch. I was saying something that had had a sequence, like the knowledge of taking a breath and hiding it, because one breathes without pointing to it before and after. Having tortured myself most of the night to get down just that in one sentence of my story... I hoped that the freedom of the green, the sun and the air of the park would make the task easier. My wife was still asleep. She was used to making breakfast for us. I disliked to deprive her of the seclusion she found in it, since it made her happy, and, she would assure me, did not tire her for the rest of the day. 
this morning, I decided to risk her displeasure and make it for her, so that we could both go downstairs early enough for me to get back to my story. By the time I had put up the coffee, she was about and taking over the job to herself without a word, doing it faster than I in my hurry. She did not ask me how late I had gone to bed, which pleased me. Still anxious to get back to my story, I became busy straightening out things about the house. Somehow we could never leave it with the necessary disarrangements of the night unsettled, even if we did not intend to return to it for days. For always when we returned, in this my wife shared my habit, we liked to find it undisturbed so that our attention would not be distracted from whatever occupied us at the time. I dusted the bookshelves and the desk of unfinished maple, and a small table of the same wood over which hung a large landscape painted by our close friend in another city. He was working on a defence job, had made our walls cheerful when he had the time. And if he were coming to see us that Sunday, I would gladly have put off the sentence still on my mind. I watered the plants, then covered the couch with the white cotton print hand-blocked in blue with early American scenes of a naval battle, Indians, date palms, mules and elephants. Why elephants happen to be drawn into scenes on authority depicting the history of St. Augustine, Florida, I have never been able to answer with the knowledge of history. Though I was still thinking of my story, I regretted, as always, that writing too often leaves little time for the pleasure of looking up answers to the unfamiliar. I found myself saying the sentence aloud. You were good to me.